wait a minute, wait turn, a minute. On the radio. turn on the radio My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though play it I hope right. you got in tune, got he talking bigger business big He make business. a lot of moves, lot of we talking Scott Katoon Welcome to the Startup Showcase, I'm your host Scott Katoon On my first wedding anniversary Saturday We are going to go uh, hang out at Gibson's Italia If you haven't been there, you're out of your mind um, And maybe walk along the Chicago River a little bit uh, so a little shout out to my lovely wife, Jennifer, who is probably on her way down or what, what I know is she's not listening to my show. That's the one thing that I absolutely know. Um, taking care of baby Vivian and, and all of the stuff that goes into being able to have a, a weekend downtown. So I very much appreciate that. Thank you to my parents and her parents for allowing this to happen. Um, so we've got a, a good show. I'm excited to talk about two companies. I'm going to ask them and grill them. I think, uh, we will. I post it on social media, so you can follow us at Technori or at Katoon. You can find it. Um, there'll be posts of their their Republic campaigns. You know, some of the companies that we come on here are a little further along and have kind of a backstory of founders who've done this several times. As is the case last week, we had two founders who, I mean, one founder in particular had taken companies public. Like this is, you know, you're raising money from SoftBank, which just raised another hundred billion dollars. Um, you've been around. And then there are founders who have come on and they have never done this before. And I just did a post on Instagram the other day, kind of a comment. I guess maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't come out yet. It it will be out if it's not. And essentially the gist is there's a startup and there's a new venture. If you're new and you've never done this before, it is a legit startup. Have no idea. Then there are founders who've successfully it doesn't have to be a big exit but like successfully scaled the company up success or failure but they they've definitely you know they've employed people they've dealt with firing they've dealt with raising money they've dealt with building product going to you know going to market um that's what i call a new venture so if i'm an investor and i'm looking at a company i see a founder who has a proven track record you know whether it's their own business entirely or if it's you know they were part of Grubhub or Groupon or something on the way up and it's like you you got to see what it looks like at full speed that's someone I'm going to back and it's a it's a new venture and the reason usually that I I do that is because I just think it's safer it's a it's a more uh there's less that can go wrong when someone's at least driven the car however that's not to say that you don't want to invest in really early companies either because some people just figure it out and they're just better at it. You know, they just they're they're really good at figuring out how to scale companies and, and build teams. The reason I go into this little rant is I kind of mentioned it in the in the beginning part of the show with Amy. There was an article that re, that surfaced this past week. Uh, I believe it should be credit should be given to Ali Marati from Chicago Tribune. Um, wonderful reporter. If you don't follow her, you should follow her on Twitter, Ali Marati. Um, that outcome health is still it all hasn't outcomed yet. <laughs> the outcome is getting worse. Um, full disclosure, Outcome Health launched their company is in context media on our stage at Technori many, many years ago, Rishi and Shadra. And I have grown to get to know them and I had a chance to, to speak with them and we were going to, you know, they've pitched at our stuff and they've talked at our stuff and very, very experienced individuals. However, you know, they launched the company at Northwestern, my also alum, um, and things somehow went awry. And I, I don't know, and I'm not gonna full you know, fully dive into this. You can read the article in the Tribune. First you have to get past the paywall, which is a whole nother thing. I don't want to go into that. Um There's there's things that happen with companies, and I think this is something that if you if you're not familiar with, with tech companies, 
because I've had this happen. I've, I've talked to people who are not really into the startup world and they, they spout things off like Enron and they, they say these like crazy scenarios uh, when things go wrong. And, and I, I, while I think it's fair and obviously everyone should follow the law and that's an obvious and you need to be ethical and all that stuff, obviously. Um, but I think that there's this, this misunderstanding that a lot of startups, no matter how experienced the founder is, there's a little fake it till you make it because you have to simulate. I mean, listen, these companies are raising money based on projections. Projections alone are based on nothing. It's just my assumption. Um, and so they're building products based on what they think the customers will want, and they're projecting and guessing what they think the customers will do with it. And as they grow, things change. The product changes. The customers change. The way that people's behavior with the product change. And so many times you'll see a startup company who had all the right intentions. They raised the money on the right intentions. They built the product as they pitched it. And then things just got awry, or in a good way. They accelerate beyond belief, and, and it's all you know great. There are times when you as a founder are faced with a situation where the money's tightening up and you need to raise again and you need to be able to tell people, when we do this, here's what I expect is going to happen. And I, I had always believed, and I defended it, that I thought that outcome was a perfect example of something that hypothetically should be successful. What Who, who says no to having screens put in your doctor's office and then having different ads for different products run. I mean, if, as, speaking as a doctor, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretending to be one. If I were a doctor and somebody told me that I could offer up the ability to generate revenue, whether it's through the ad or generate revenue through um, my pharmaceutical reps and my product reps who basically said, you know, we're, we're paying you to sort of endorse this procedure or this product, um, and you could offer them the ability to extend that reach into the waiting room, this is a no-brainer, which is why they raise so much money from the, you know, the Pritzker groups and the Googles of the world, Alphabet. The problem is, is that in order to test that theory, one has to actually build hardware and software to do it, and it costs a lot of money. So they're, they're putting these screens in everybody's room, and they're, you know, they're, they're hiring people to sell the ads and, and so on and so forth. Fast forward a few years, and there's this like mad moment where you have to decide, like, oh my God, the the doctors are not renewing. They're not paying us what we thought they would pay. The that's not generating the extra revenues that we projected that it would 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 happen. And so they're faced with this: Do we just let all the doctors give us back the TVs and stop running this, or do we raise more money? So then they raise more money and they continue to pass the things out and, and they start telling people, yeah, yeah, we're inside of hundreds of thousands of doctors' offices seeing millions of people. And all those numbers are real. But the problem is the return and the revenue is not. And it had always been my belief that an outcome, the mistake that was made, the unethical mistake that was made was this sort of, we're going to stretch the rule a little bit on what our assumptions are going to be on how much is going to return. And then you raise a bunch of money and figure you can solve the problem in real time. And I, th- I always thought that's what, what the case was. Now we're seeing an article come out where you've got someone who's being accused of wire fraud and of, I mean, we're not talking about small amount of money. This is like $500 million and the FBI is involved. And I just, I think it's a, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I can't speculate. I don't know what actually took place. I think we're, we're getting closer to finding out, but I just think it's a really good, it's bad for the city of Chicago because this is, you know, this is one of the darlings of Chicago tech. I think it's a really good time for reflection for all of the founders, new and new venture experienced, to recognize that when things go awry, it's very easy 
to get caught up, and it's understandable. If you're if you're speaking from my vantage point where I've seen it, it's very understandable. From from maybe your vantage point, you're like, it's crooked, it's crooked. Yeah, sort of. Look at the president. Not entirely true. Uh, it's it's easy to understand how you could make a couple of shortcut moves that are not quite on the side of the law you want, but can get you to the next stop where you can right the ship. I can see that. But the problem is, one thing begets another, begets another, and all of a sudden you've got a snowball. And then all of a sudden, the little green monster comes out, the greed monster comes out. And you start to think, we've got a billion dollar, you know, Rishi was a Forbes 500, he was like a multi-billionaire based on one of their raises. And you start to think like, oh my God, this is not going to work out. Or if it doesn't work out, what happens? Do I lose all my money? I mean, and in his mind, he's like, I put in all this work and built a company to this point, so I should be entitled to this amount of money. And that's where you start making those rules and breaking those rules that everyone is right on when you say that's completely not okay. And that's kind of the situation that I think we're walking right into. We're watching this and seeing a person who let his own sort of ambition get the best of him and it's like at first it's like i can i can excuse you a little bit because i'm saying this is a mission and you hire hundreds of people and kind of everybody's on the ship and you're doing everything you can to write the ship when you start to see things come out where it's like no i was really just trying to serve myself here it's like okay so you were trying to write the ship but you also were trying to make sure that the ship didn't sink before you got to take the booty and that is the problem and I think this is a good lesson for all the people out there and in every walk of life, but for founders in particular, because the one thing about being a startup founder, if you're successful, is you are very close to a lot of money. You're very close to a lot of people with money. There are not many people out there listening right now who have experienced someone wiring tens of millions of dollars into your account. You wake up tomorrow and there's millions of dollars just sitting there. And that's something that I don't think anyone can prepare for. And so I guess my point in all this is I think that a lot of the founders out there need to really understand that just because the money is sitting there and because the access is there does not necessarily mean that you're entitled to it. You're entitled to take the exit and make all this money and buy all the fancy things once you've proven that it's working, once things are actually functional. Everything up until, even at a billion-dollar valuation, everything up until exit or IPO is hypothetical. And to believe in your own hype and start to selfishly try to grab at stuff I think is a huge mistake and I think the only other than people who are bad and, and these are I don't think Rishi and Chadron those guys I don't think they had bad intentions at Northwestern I don't think they did when they started it I don't think they did a technology stage I think what happens is over time you start to kind of buy the hype and you start making moves that are moves that you probably wouldn't have made before and I think the only way to stop that kind of stuff is to recognize right ahead of it as a founder or as an investor or as a whatever what you know any person in life this happens to the best of anyone athletes people who just walk into to money is to set a line and recognize that like your that's not yours and it's it's only yours once you know somebody pays you for it outright and to recognize you need to not fudge things and not fake it till you make it after a certain point there's like a little bit of wiggle room but once you start having customers i, I think that you start making these shortcuts and they just grow and like you, you hear these stories of bad gamblers it just starts getting deeper and deeper and you're digging and you're moving things around trying to stay above and, and, it, and eventually the bookie comes and finds you and if you've watched goodfellas you know how that ends so 
uh, that's sort of my my little soapbox moment for today. I just thought it was something that I, I couldn't help but comment on because it's it's just such a big story and it just doesn't seem to be going away or ending in any way. And it, I'm hoping that people take a, a little bit of a lesson out of it. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to come back and then uh, I'm going to tee up our first call-in pitch and uh, hopefully you guys are ready to invest in them. Just go to republic.co slash register and apply right there. While we're doing plugs, I might as well plug away uh, on the podcast. If you haven't downloaded the Technory podcast, I don't know what you're missing or what you're doing or what you're thinking. Um, we've had awesome people on the show from Victor, the CEO and founder of Guaranteed Rate, to uh, CEO Bird, if you're familiar with the scooters out there. Um, this past week, we had an amazing show. I think this is something people might actually know if you live in the downtown area. Uh, as a Nails. They're popping up everywhere. It's a fantastic Manny Petty sort of setup. And I had Kim Marsh, who's the CEO founder of that, on my podcast. I'll tell you, we we talked for 45 minutes about like cool businesses and hers, obviously, as a. We never once actually talked about Manny Petty's. We just talked, there was so much to know about that business that I just found completely fascinating. And if you're, uh, in particular, not that males don't do this, but if you're a female and you uh, do Manny Petties a lot, I think you'll find this actually really fascinating. There's like a lot of ethical decisions that go into, you know, where the people are coming from who are working there and how they source things and the the, the gels and just a lot of stuff I did not know. Um, so I think you'd get a kick out of that. And then, of course, we do the investing portion, which is coming up here in a second. And I always plug Republic because they're a great partner and they vet, you know, vet our companies as well as humanly possible. If you want to see other investment opportunities, catch up with the podcast, read the blogs. Occasionally, uh, they let me write my opinion on paper and then publish it, which is probably crazy. Um, you can just go to technory.com and subscribe to the newsletter. There's 75,000 people who subscribe to this newsletter. And I don't know if you people know this, but Republic as a whole, over $50 million has been invested in the startups that you hear about via equity crowdfunding. $22 million have been invested in the companies that I put on this show for you. So if you haven't contributed yet, you haven't invested in these companies, it's kind of feeling like you might be the only one who's not doing it. So you should definitely do that. Subscribe, learn a little bit more about that. Um, and as I said, I'll be posting all of these, as I always do, uh, on social media at Technori. The next guest who's going to be coming on right after the uh, the news break here, Charger, I, I kind of plugged it a little bit with Amy. I think the part that's really unique here, and this is for all of you out there who are uh, are like Uber drivers, it's another way to make money. So you're driving around Uber, you're making as much money as they allow you to, um, and then you can actually put in a phone charger and have sponsors put their name and brand on the charger in your car, and then you get a rev share. So this group charger essentially has an ad-sponsored phone charger customer network that's rideshares, hotels, bars, restaurants, clubs, gyms, airlines, anywhere you can think of, music festivals. I think that's how they got started. We'll find out. Uh, anything you can think of. Super smart. Super, super smart. And it's cool because it allows everyone else to make money, which is, I think, always a good thing. So we're going to come back with its founder uh, and CEO, John Mullen, right after the news break, which is coming up here, and it is sponsored by American Weathermakers. Here's Bob Kessler. It's one thirty. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining us on the phone right now, John Mullen. He is the CEO and founder of Charger. Johnny, there. Yes, I am. How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? Doing great. Thanks for asking. No, of course. Um, and so, as as mentioned, everybody else, go to uh, republic.co, register so that you can invest and participate in this. And we're going to have, uh, John is going to give me his elevator pitch in uh, one, two, three. Yeah. 
Thanks, everybody. Charger is an advertising company using phone charging as our advertising platform. We get advertisers and sponsors to pay for credit card-sized batteries that we distribute across 10,000 venues across the country. We give them to customers for free. Go into a bar, restaurant, hotel, gym, ski resort, Lyft, or an Uber, get a branded battery brought to you by Audi, Lyft, Nike, Cliff Bar, Red Bull, you name it, get it for free. It comes fully charged, ready to go to support iPhone or Android. Take it home, recharge, reuse it. There's an advertisement in your pocket, but you get your phone charged up where and when you need it the most. Our business has been around since 2016. Last year, we made $735,000. This year, we're in sort of the market for about 1.7. Our business is, again, an advertising company using hardware, using phone charging as our sort of medium, and the solution uh, for that is Charger to solve the problem that we all have. 95% of us kind of have a phone that we need to charge at least twice a day. Charger kind of delivers that for you where and when you need it. Again, we are available for investment right now on republic.co. Check out Charger. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much. Dude, I dig this. I made a mistake in my uh, research of your company, and I was a, a fan of the idea. I'm a fan of the idea of this. Uh, of of the charging portable and the advertising and the out just so the the sort of changing landscape back towards out of home advertising and and that sort of thing and I would have said tough market but interesting I like it. Um, you just said something that I I just I don't know if I didn't read it I missed it. You're handing out the cards that are the little mini chargers, and that in my mind is a complete game changer because I I literally was just talking about this with uh, one of my buddies who works for one of the larger sort of corporate marketing. Um, you know, gifting type companies. And I was yep. just, just literally asking, I was like, why do companies spend so much money on like swag that ends up in the trash? Like, I just don't get it. Somebody handed me a bag the other day full of stuff that just went straight in the garbage. Like, it has no use case. I was like, I right. know that, that using chargers and things, like when I went to Dreamforce, they handed us a charger. It was a block, um, but it was a big block and obviously very expensive. I, that is super expensive for them sometimes, but like, totally worth it because i use it still this is a micro version of that and is not i mean yeah i'm sure that a company could buy a bunch of them for you like for their own distribution purposes but like as a net like to capitalize on a network of ride shares and festivals and hotels and places and get your brand out on it you are your own sort of in between product and out of home advertising model and i absolutely love it I think this is a, I such, a, such a win. Like, to, and, and the revenue, obviously, that you you just talked about, proves that. Um, because I'm right now, my phone is not in front of me, so I can't even like social media pop out on this conversation. It's sitting in the other room on a charger because it's dead. Because Apple's new updates crush my phone, and yeah. I, you know, like I, I literally, I don't want to carry around. Like, I have a big block charger. I don't want to carry it around all the time. But but the card one that gives me like you know forty fifty sixty percent juice of the phone is is ideal. I think this is absolutely brilliant. How did you come up with this sort of concept? Look, it really comes down to just personal experience. Being out at a venue and my phone's about to die, and I've got to send out an email. I've got to connect with my friends, and I can't believe that there's not a solution out there 
the bartender, the host, or the hostess is much more interested in selling you a drink than taking care of your phone. And so this was all about how do we create a solution that's as as ubiquitous as free Wi-Fi? We can get free Wi-Fi. We need to get free charging as well. We can get free charging by having brands and sponsors pay for it. The business model is all about, you know, the network, the hardware, the technology. That will all change. We have a wireless unit. We have a unit that supports USB-C. We have all of that. We make our own battery. We have our own supply chain. That's not the real part of our business that's going to make us a billion-dollar company. It's the network. It's where and when you need it the most. We have worked very hard to get deals in place with the largest hospitality, ski resorts, ride shares. We just did a deal with Blade Helicopters, which is actually kind of like Uber for helicopters Mm -hmm. in you know, a couple big markets in the U.S. Uh, like I said, we work at the big resort. Um, we're all about providing this service ubiquitously across the board, so you don't need to think about it anymore. And, you know, people often ask me about, you know, what about sort of, um, you know, it's a piece of plastic, it's a piece of hardware, it's got some lithium in there. We provide a very uh, clear way of disposing of these products when they are uh, exhausted, we do a recycle program. We give all that information to our customers and to our brands so that it's a very closed loop. Net-net, the brand gets the sort of credit for kind of saving you where and when you need it the most. And they're now in your pocket. So when there's a call to action on a Lyft-branded charger to get you to sign up for Lyft and get $25 off your first ride, this is the closest way that an advertiser can do it. This is better than billboards better than out of home, better than an ad on TV or on the Internet where you can do ad blocker. This is a way to kind of get folks to opt in, to be acquired as a customer, and to do what that brand wants you to do, you know? Uh, Totally agree. This is, in my mind, marrying two very perfect problem solution sets. One, for those of you who go out, and I I was one of these people who went to, like, the Cubs game, and then I went to a concert, and my phone battery is not up to snuff, and the option they give you is a little lockbox charging thing where i have to like weave my way through the crowd like not happening you miss like you you miss the whole thing like it's not there's literally no like that's a great idea when steve jobs introduced the iphone the first time he didn't use it like it was a phone (laughs) phone that this literally doesn't work anymore so that's the first world so you like actually solving the real problem and then the second one which you hit on with the banner ad blockers and things is there are no great ways to grassroots distribute like t-shirts are cool and all but like i get enough of them i don't even i I I give away there's no grassroots way to put your brand in a place that people are going to see it and not only are they going to see it they're going to give it to their friend because i'm going to be sitting here and like get juice up for a minute i'm going to turn on my wife and give her the thing for like the last 10 seconds like this is going to be passed around you see people passing these things around i i think this is so brilliant um I want to ask you, what is it like if I'm a customer, which now I want to be, uh, what does it for? First off, if I invest in your campaign, do I get one of these things? Second, um, how much does it cost for me to buy, you know, however you're selling them? What's the cost for me to, as a, as a would be client? So look, we work with brands that are buying upwards of 5,000 to 10,000 to 25,000 units at a time because they're having us put them into 750 to 1200 venues in a market per month. Of course. Um, you know, when you get up to those economics, 
you know, it's really a volume play, right? So some clients could be paying something as low as $8, depending on the quantity. Some are paying more like 11 and 12 depending on their campaign need. When we do these in those venues and in those networks, we provide the charger, fully branded, any kind of creative you need on there. We can put an NFC chip inside the battery so you can simply tap it with your phone like you would with Apple Pay, and we can serve up a URL to your phone. We can put RFID in there to use that battery actually as a hotel key card or a fast pass on a ski resort or in a uh, amusement park. We can also, you know, do full packaging. So the packaging is branded. And of course you get the cable that's supporting iPhone, Android, and USB-C. So that's all going to be contingent on the campaign length and sort of uh, volume. But again, what you also pay for, which is very, very important, we will put it where you want it to go. So if you want to be in ski resorts, we've got you. Yep. You want to put it in Ubers San Diego, full, we've got that taken care of. You're creating a full mini That's billboard right. ad network. Is what's, this is like clear channel right. so battery pack. That's right. It's distribution and media. The other question you had was, you know, if you invest in us, what do you get? If you invest $500 in us, we'll give you five units. You invest 1000 we'll give you 10 And if you invest 2500 or 5000 we'll get you between 25 and 100 custom-design units of your choice sent to where and when you need it, which I think is a great segue to our campaign. Our campaign right now with Republic, we are very happy to say that we've reached our funding goal, and we're actually going to open up even further now to everybody and go beyond our goal. We've had such an awesome response. We've got 2,500-plus investors that have been kind enough to support us, and we're ready to open this up further. So I invite everyone to kind of go to our profile, sign up for the waiting list, and we're going to kind of fire this thing back open again early next week to be able to continue going beyond our 535K goal. Well, congratulations on that. It's not a big surprise to me, at least. This is such a no-brainer. And if you don't mind, off the show, offline, not right now, but uh, next week, I would love to get in touch with you and and see if there's other potential opportunities here, because I really, no joke, I really like this product. Well, I'm looking for an excuse to get to Chicago, so I think this works out fine. Awesome. Thank you, John, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. You take care. Thanks again. Take care. All right, folks, we are going to take one more commercial break. We're going to come back with our next one, win-win, former NFL linebacker and Duke All-American Mike T. Brown. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me on the show right now, win-win CEO Mike T. Brown. Mike, you there? I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for, uh, so much for having me. No, of course. Uh, thanks for making the time on a Saturday. So I'm going to uh, cue you up for your elevator pitch here, and then I will ask you some questions afterwards. So... All you. All righty. So uh, what we recognize at Win-Win is that most people wish there was a better way to donate to charity. So what we do is we combine giving with gaming to make donating to charity just a whole lot more fun and engaging. Uh, And the way that we do that is we work directly with professional athletes. We have about 150 across the NFL and NBA today. Uh, And those athletes host uh, fantasy sports-style tournaments, right? So like a Pick'em Challenge or a March Madness Bracket Challenge. And they promote that out to all of their fans and followers across social media. When those fans come to our platform, they join this player's tournament 
uh, by um, making predictions on who's going to win upcoming games, for example. And when they're joining, they have an opportunity to make a uh, 100% tax-deductible donation to the player's charity of choice, right? And so once the actual games actually kick off, they're earning points not for the size of their donation, but rather the accuracy of their predictions. And then what they're competing to win in the actual tournament is not money, but instead experiences that money simply can't buy, like having dinner with uh, Tariq Cohen after the actual uh, Chicago Bears game, for example. Uh, and so we call this gamified giving. It, it enables athletes to raise awareness and funding for things they care deeply about while looking good in, on the PR side. Uh, fans are able to uh, access experiences that money can't even buy, and they're getting the full tax deduction of every transaction. The organizations, the charities are able to acquire new donors, and these are typically millennials because we're talking about giving, gaming, experiences. Uh, and then we have brands who sponsor the tournament, right? So it's the Tariq Cohen win-win tournament powered by Pepsi, for example. And so Pepsi or the brand is able to get uh, reach into a new audience, right, with this kind of charitable lens. And then win-win, we win through monetization. Uh, and so that's what we call win-win and this new model, gamified giving, which we feel is the future of fundraising. Very cool. Great pitch. Um, <clears throat> so right off the bat, I mean, I'll tell you, like, where I think this is attractive and going to be potentially very successful, and in particular for the younger folks that are, as they start coming up, you mentioned uh, people are not giving as much in this country uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with finances and school loans on the younger side and on the older side. It's just like people just give differently now. Like you go to, you know, go fund me and things like, it's just a different way. Um, and so I think of uh, fellow NFL or uh, Juju Smith Schuster with his, yeah. his gaming, like literally gaming, video gaming. And he mm-hmm. runs these sort of like live tournaments. There's tons of players in the NBA that do this after the game. They'll go on and they'll play, you know, EA Sports games and stuff. And they've set up like tournaments, and you can play. And you're you're playing with Juju. Like it's pretty cool. This is adding that same sort of interactive play with a celebrity, play with someone who you admire. And only the difference is instead of it being points or ending up being some sort of crypto scam at the end, it ends up being like donating. And uh, yeah, and I, I think it's a really novel approach that I, I I don't see any reason why this wouldn't work. From the standpoint of of like the media approach, I think it's brilliant, super smart. Um, no, th- as far as like the the business itself, how are you? How are you? How is your business set up? And then I would love to know just sort of your story. What what brought you into this? Uh, so you, you mean like the entity itself? So we're a Delaware C Corp. Is yep. that what you're? Yeah, yeah. To? So so I'm looking at like so you're you're basically enabling. We had a company on here a couple weeks ago. Shopping Gives is very similar kind of setup. They're they're enabling. Uh, so you're an, a for-profit entity that makes money, yep. uh, I'm guessing, on transactions, and I'm guessing on the sponsorship. Is that accurate? Correct. And then you, the power of your brand is that you enable, name your charity uh, to to generate a ton more charitable contribution, and, and that's good for them, and it's also good for the people who are writing it off for, for tax purposes. What are the type of charities that, that come into this? Like, is, Can I pick my own, or is it set by Tariq Cohen, or who who sets that? Correct. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's usually our partner, the players, right? Yep. So we're working directly with the athletes and their and their representation. So they're choosing the foundation or the charitable organization, and they're not limited to uh, their own. As you can imagine, guys that do have their own foundation, this is a great way to fundraise yep. uh, outside of some of the more antiquated ways, such as you know charity raffles, which you know we believe is you know a thing of the past, right? Exactly. Because it just doesn't. It's not very. Uh, 
beneficial to uh, the folks that are joining, like that are uh, making those contributions. Because you know, one person wins, everybody else loses. Not a model that we that we are um, fans of. And then you have you know charity auctions, and then you know crowdfunding. Like GoFundMe is another thing that, you know, I think it helps folks in a bind, but, you know, it's usually centered around, you know, tragedy, guilt, and unfortunately fraud sometimes. And so by adding the gaming element, what we're doing is thinking about the the donor, right, and and giving them something that's just a lot more fun and engaging to do, the experience of gaming and competing, right? We've essentially looked at uh, kind of fantasy sports, like traditional DFS, and, you know, we realized that, you know, it's highly engaging, right? People are all over it, particularly sports fans. Uh, and so now instead of winning money, especially when you think about millennials, they're looking to win things, experiences, right, things that money can't buy. And so the players are choosing a charity, right, and we're making it uh, extremely efficient and easy for them. So our promise to our partners is minimizing the effort and maximizing the value. And then for the fan, by giving them something that's a lot more fun to do, uh, we've seen even in our data and in, in our um, in our traction that they're doing it a lot more often, um, you know, because it's that competition. And one thing that's really unique about our model that, again, thinks about the donor is that everybody who joins the the tournament wins something. So, again, we don't like the one winner take all models. So you may be in first place, you get the dinner with Tariq, uh, you know, 10th place, you may get the FaceTime call, 100th place, you may get the autographed jersey all the way down to last place, and you may get $20 in free Lyft credits, right, because Lyft is the sponsor. And so as a fan, you've competed, you've contributed, and you've won something. And you've won something not based on a random draw, but rather uh, your actions, right, the, the picks and predictions. Um, and so we just look at it as that true, uh, that true winning model. All I do is win, 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 no matter I couldn't help myself, Mike. I couldn't well help played. myself. Um, I, well I, I, I couldn't help it. I love it. I think it beats the the pants off the stale model of, uh, and you know this from from the NFL uh, in the Super Bowl. You've got all these dudes like you know, Tom, well Tom Brady doesn't really show up anywhere, but uh, Peyton Manning and, and Drew Brees, and they and they go on all the shows with my favorite Dan Patrick show and and all the shows, yeah. and they talk about their charity. But like, there's no takeaway. There's no way to actually do it. And the and the biggest part that I think you solve here, um, you normally talk about it, but I think it's it's just sort of evident is that if I say to you, go here and fill this out. The likelihood of you actually doing it is pretty low. If I low. involve you in the process, it's better. But if I actually get you, like, the, the, I make the donation a part of the process, the chances of you actually following through with your donation are incredibly higher, especially if it's something like you beat Tariq Cohen in fantasy. Like, there, there's no way you're not going to donate because you want to promote on social that you just crushed Tariq Cohen and then donated to his cause, and it puts you in a power spot. And I, I think that is the, the magic sauce here. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the clar- clarifying points on that end is that, uh, you know, we, we actually started off as uh, fantasy as the game model, and we realized that, you know, the folks that really see value in meeting Tariq and, and don't mind giving to his charity, turns out they're not actually the ones playing fantasy, yeah. uh, a.k.a. gambling on those platforms. And so there was kind of a, a disconnect in even them knowing how to play and play well. I mean, fantasy's hard, right? Yeah. And so what we ended up doing was uh, doing what we call social games for social good. And these are like your pick'em challenges, March Madness brackets, things that a much wider audience could engage in. And so when Tariq or whomever those players uh, that are hosting the tournaments, when they're promoting it, right, and you're guaranteed to win a prize and you're supporting uh, an impactful cause and getting the benefit from that, uh, we see very high conversion. I can tell you one thing that we're really proud about is we've reached product market fit in the sense that we're seeing nearly 5% full funnel conversion on organic social media traffic. 
And what that means is somebody sees one of the players post, 5% of them are going through the entire process, uh, you know, from clicking the link in the bio, creating a win-win account, making all the picks and predictions, and then making a voluntary donation uh, of an average of about $53 a transaction. And so it's just a very strong um, sign to us that fans really love this. And, and being able to support uh, an impactful charity for a player or a team that they truly adore, uh, like you said, it's it's really uh, it's really impactful and and, and uh, you know leads to, to quite a bit of success. And to give context to the audience on the five percent, um, it's like many many millions of dollars are being paid to agencies all over the country right now, and they achieve like one percent or less. So for exactly when you when you run yeah, when you run targeted Facebook ads, for example, right, you'll usually see two to five percent on that full funnel conversion click to transaction. We, and through our beta. Uh, we hadn't spent a dime on marketing, and, and we've seen we've achieved at the top end of that. So we're just really excited about this upcoming full-scale launch, uh, and then being able to to get people involved in, in the campaigns. And then you know we also have an opportunity for folks to get some equity in the company, uh, which we're really proud to be able to offer now. Very cool. We have to wrap here, so I'm just gonna make sure we uh, let everyone know you Republic Co, and it's gonna be backslash win. Is it win dash win? Yeah, win-win, uh, and that's where folks can, as I just mentioned, they'll be able to invest. Uh, I think our minimum is $250, and you're going to get equity in the company based on that. And so uh, we're just really proud. We've already raised about $1.5 million from, you know, accredited uh, investors the traditional way. We just hit $80,000 on our campaign as of today, uh, and we're really excited to be offering this opportunity for folks to uh, to invest and, and capture the upside of, of this winning model awesome. that we built here. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Mike. We're we're going to see if we can't help you uh, push that over the 100 mark today. Thank you very much for taking the time, and, and best of luck to you. I appreciate it. Thanks right. so much. Take care, Mike. All right, folks, that's a wrap for me. Uh, we're going to come back here with uh, Dane Neal and see what he's got on the show and then uh, kick it to news.